you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Three Reasons Why Satan Attacks. Does that sound good? Three reasons why Satan attacks you and attacks me. Uh, I've got three points, three major points, if you will. The first one is opportunities. The second one is revelations. And the third one is dry seasons. Before I unpack those three uh, moments, because those are the moments where Satan is most apt to attack you. Before I unpack those three moments, I want to tell you why Satan cannot stand you. Okay, this is why. Satan knows the scriptures. When he was tempting Jesus, he used scriptures. He knows the scriptures and he knows what Satan has said about you. This is one of the, I'm sorry, he knows what Jesus has said about you. This is one of the things that Jesus has said about you. It's in Isaiah chapter 49 verse 1. It says this, before you were born, I knew you. While you were in your mother's womb, I called you by name. Your mama didn't even know what your name was and he was calling you by name knowing what your name was going to be. He says, I called you by name. I made your mouth, we're talking about you. I made your mouth like a sharpened sword. That's why you have the ability with one sentence to tear someone down and make them feel horrible about themselves. Or with one sentence, you can lift them up and make them feel great about themselves. The Lord has made your mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, this is in verse 3, in the shadow of his hand, he has concealed you. Many of you can talk about seasons right now. That were so hard. You're surprised you're here today. He, he puts you in the shadow of his hand and concealed you. He made you into a polished arrow. He has plans for you. And he hid you in his quiver. When Satan sees how much love, how much affection, how much planning went into your life, it causes him to despise you. He, In his mind, in Satan's decrepit dark mind, he cannot understand why God loves you and I this much. He was there when the Lord made us out of dust. It makes him furious. And so there are three moments where Satan will for sure attack you. There's other moments outside of the three, but I'm only going to talk about three. The first one is right before God gives you an opportunity. Right before he gives you an opportunity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. Um, actually, I'm not going to share that one. I'm going to share this one. In Luke chapter 9. Actually, I'll give you both of them to you, okay? In, in, in 2 Corinthians 16, verse 9, Paul said this. He said, because a great door of opportunity 
was given to me, there are many who oppose me. See, the enemy can see when the Lord is giving you an opportunity. He can see when the present job is over and the next assignment is about to begin. See, these are opportunities that God has given you. You haven't given you. God gave them to you. And Satan can see when this is about to happen. In Daniel chapter 2 verse 21, it says that God starts and stops seasons. It says, okay, you've been in this season long enough. You've been going through hell sideways. You know your way around hell. That's how long you've been in there. Anyone ever been in hell for more than a week? You know your way around. You can say, hey, watch out. There's a little pothole right there. You know your way around. And when the Lord says, okay, this season, you have walked through this season. It is over. He doesn't pull you out of a season. He walks through the season. That's why... In Psalms 23, verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, his rod and his staff, they will comfort me. He is there. You walk through it. And then he says, Okay, this season's over. Oftentimes, when the season is over, he will introduce new relationships. If you're single, all of a sudden, Don Juan DeMarco comes walking through the door. Here you go. Your life just changed. You just got the raise. You move across town. You get fired. That's the, the valley of the shadow of death. But some of you guys are so faithful, you will never quit. And so when he has a new season for you, he's got to arrange an uncomfortable position to get you out. Why are you laughing? Did you just get fired? You don't have to tell me. But But... That's how he moves. Sometimes he's got to scoot you along. When opportunities come, all of a sudden, Satan begins to attack. But usually, you don't know the opportunity is coming. He knows it's coming before you know it's coming. Now let me go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, there was a father who had a son, his only son, who was demon-possessed. He was demon-possessed, so he would go into convulsions and seizures. Uh, it wasn't biological. It was a devil. He would throw him into fires, campfires. And they heard Jesus was coming to town, and so they walked towards Jesus. And as the boy was walking towards Jesus, the devil knew he was about to have an encounter. The boy didn't even know he was about to have an encounter. The father was hoping that there was about to be an account. The boy didn't even know. As he started getting closer, the devil knew. Before you have an encounter, all every, every single bazooka and grenade from hell is coming your way. He will send problems. He will send people. He will send snares. He will cause boredom. From There's some demons in hell that all they do is make people bored. They put your sleep, your spirit to sleep. They put your spirit to sleep. And so then you can't get on fire. You can't get excited. You can't get enthusiastic. A spirit has put you to sleep. 
That was good. Put you to sleep. So, as the boy is getting closer, an encounter with the Son of God is about to happen. And so the enemy takes one last throw. It, it's a ditch effort. It's, it's his last desperate attempt to keep him away from Jesus. When you experience something, a, a jolt, you need to ask yourself, is there an opportunity that I don't know about that's around the corner? If there's five chickens sitting on the fence and one is squawking, that chicken's having a bad day. If all five are squawking, there's a wolf in the woods. Are you with me? Say yes. There's a wolf in the woods. If all of a sudden you feel a jolt and everything is going crazy, you are probably on the precipice of a new opportunity and you don't even know it. Opportunities. Let's talk about revelations. When you have a revelation from God, when you have a moment, some of you may have it this morning, where all of a sudden something about God becomes real. The first time I ever experienced this, I was laying in my bed. I was probably five or six years old. Maybe I was seven. I don't know. I was laying in my bed in Upper Peninsula, Michigan. I'll never forget this. I had just finished preaching to all of my teddy bears because my dad was a preacher. And so all my teddy bears got saved. Yeah. Curious George. Hey, you stop talking back there. You know, all of them. Baptizing them in my covers. All of them. I'm just a kid having fun trying to stay up till the sun comes up, right? I lay down, I'm about to fall asleep, and all of a sudden tears start running out of my eyes. I'll never forget this. I was seven years old. Parents, you don't know what God is doing with your kids when they're laying down in bed. Some of your children are adults. You don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing in their sleep, in their dreams, meeting them in a place of safety and comfort and encouragement. You don't know. Tears were running down my ears because I realized what Jesus did for me. That he made me, he created me, and he died for me. And I said to him laying in bed, my dad and my mom have given me everything that I have. I don't have anything to give you because I don't own anything to tell you how thankful I am. So I will give you me. I will give you me for the rest of my life. I am yours. I will give you me. That was a revelation at seven years old. Some of you have had the same revelation in a different way. Some of you have had revelations completely different in a completely different arena. But when that moment happened, you were never, ever, ever the same again. When you receive a revelation, all of hell knows that you have received a moment with God. And you can, you can bet on it. You can put all chips on red. You can bet on it. Hell is coming after you. And now that I just think about it, I just connected the dots just now. Around that age, soon after that, I was, I got out of the school bus. 
First grade, out of the school bus, and I had to go up this hill and to the right to get home. This black charger car pulls up, and this guy rolls down the window. I'll never forget, he had his black beard. And he hangs out, he's like, hey, kid, come here, come here, kid. And there was something in my spirit that knew, run, run. If hell could have got me as a seven-year-old kid into that car, That whole moment just nights before would be in jeopardy. Every time you have a moment with God, a moment with God, a revelatory moment, you're raising your hands, you're praying, you're sleeping and you wake up. You have a dream, you're in a meeting, you're in the car, you're reading the Bible, someone's preaching. Every time you have a moment, a revelation. Oh my goodness. The hordes of hell come flying out like bats. So that's number one. Number one is opportunities. Number two, revelations. Number three is when you go through a dry season. Everybody say dry season on three. One, two, three. Again, one, two, three. When you go through a dry season, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, the Bible reads this. When an unclean spirit is inside of a person and it leaves a man, that unclean spirit goes around looking for dry places. Everybody say dry places on three. I didn't even say three. You're ahead of me. It goes through dry places looking for rest. Demons get rest in dry places. Well, you got ahead of me on that. You, you got ahead of me. So they go around and they and, and he finds no rest. And so the demon says to himself, I will go back to the house from which I came. I'm going to go back to that man. And when he does, he finds the house swept, empty, and clean. Because the demon left, but he never replaced it with anything. And so it was wide open to come right back in. So when the demon comes back, he found a dry place. But when he comes back, he brings seven other spirits more evil than himself. So the state of the man is worse than it was before. When the enemy sees a dry heart, a dry soul, a dry person, they're not not passionate about the things of God. They're not passionate about church. They think the whole thing is right equal with a a, a YMCA and a library. Every city needs a YMCA. Every city needs a library. And every city needs a church. It's just good for the community. When it's dry. And if if you're dry in your soul today, let me just say, this moment is for you. Don't miss what I'm about to say. I know it's boring to you because when you're dry, the word is always boring. But just trust me. Just give me your ears for the next couple minutes. Put the phone down. Don't go keep scrolling through whatever. Dry places. The Bible says in Revelation 3.16, it says this, Because you are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. 
there's these these seasons are rough. And how do you shake yourself and get out of a dry season when you know you're in a dry season and demons look for dry seasons? You don't want nobody wants to be in a dry season. But what do you do when you're in a dry season? How do you get out of the season? I had a friend of mine. She told me, I was up in Rockford, Illinois. I'll never forget this. I was 23, 24 years old. And she says, I've been in a dry season for six months. I never forgot that. Because when she said that, I thought, how are you in a dry season for six months? How does that happen? And just recently, I remembered it again. You know how you forget things, and then all of a sudden you remember. And while I was making this sermon, I thought of her. And then I realized there are two reasons why someone would be in a dry season for six months. Number one is they are living in disobedience. God is asking for something and they're not willing to give it. Last week I was talking with a friend of mine who pastors a church in Kentucky. And he was telling me about how he was talking to somebody in the church and he was telling the pastor He says, I will never forgive my wife for what she's done. Ever. I will never, ever, ever forgive her. And it was a wise statement, a wise answer. He said, you know, forgiveness is not a moment. It's a process. But but you have to be willing to engage in that process, even if it's a slow process, like you have to start moving in that direction. And he said, if this unforgiveness takes me to the pit of hell, then let it be done. Someone who has a sin in their heart that they refuse to give up. They may have even justified why it's not a sin. People are very good. They've become experts at twisting the truth these days. Experts. You have to be very careful. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2, it says this. In the latter times, many will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such people are hypocritical liars whose conscience has been seared as with a hot iron. These people will call themselves Christians with words, but their heart is not for him. And they are hypocritical liars and they will lure you to a lukewarm lifestyle. They'll lure you there. There's no such thing as lukewarm. You're either passionate about the things of God or you're not. There's no, you can't straddle the, the, the seesaw. You ever see those guys in the circus riding two horses? That's not how the Lord is. You can't be passionate about God and then not passionate about God and think that you're going in the right direction. That's not how it works. Passion is going this way and a lack of passion is going that way. Thank you for saying this good, because I don't think anyone else likes it, but it is what it is. It is what it is. So here we go. Dry places, two reasons why. Number one, there's something that God has asked for you that you're not willing to give them. 
Or number two, you have offered the Lord any change. You can have whatever you want. There's nothing I want to keep. But you're still in a dry place. To you, I would say, get your walking boots on. And dig your heels in. Because you're not praying long enough. You're not praying long enough. You're not praying fervently enough. Now I know what you may be thinking. How are you going to judge me and tell me I'm not judging you. The fruit is judging you. In James chapter 5 verse 15 it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What is fervency? Fervency is intensity plus time. And so when the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is saying, give me some intensity and give me some time. That's what he's saying. So anyone who's in a a dry season, look at the intensity and look at the amount of time. You will never find somebody who prays for two hours in a dry season. You here's the thing. The amount of time that a person prays is a very private thing. Like it's as private as how much you give in the offering. Like if your neighbor leans over and goes, I just put in 20 bucks. How much did you put in? You can't do that. That's against the rules. There's rules somewhere that says you can't ask me how much I'm putting in the offering. Are you with me? Say yes. At the same time, if your neighbor sitting next to you leans over and goes, I prayed for 30 minutes this morning. How long did you pray? You can't ask me that. That's another rule you're breaking. And now I can't sit by you in church anymore. That's two rules. You're out. Are you with me? Say yes. Because you can't compare time. What's long and what's short? To the person who's only prayed 60 seconds their whole life, 15 minutes is really long. Are you with me? So you can't say long or short. That's like talking to a lady that says she has short hair because it's down to here. But to the lady who shaved her head off, she's got long hair. Shaved her head off. (laughs) So you can't determine what's short and what's long, how long your prayer life is, how short your prayer life is. But I'll tell you this, if it's dry, it's not long enough. It's not long enough. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6 and 7, it says, Those of you who pray, give yourself no rest. And give God no rest until he has completed the work. There's something about a woman or a man who walks into a room and closes the door and says, I'm not leaving until I feel close to you. I'm not leaving. If you, what I do, this works for me. It may not work for you. I walk in. I look at what time it is. And I say, I'm not leaving for another whatever. Two hours. I'm not leaving for two hours. Sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's four hours. I'm not leaving. I set my alarm, turn my phone upside down, put the moon thing so I can't hear any texts or calls. I'm not leaving. You say, I wish I had four hours. Do you? If you really want four hours, then just wake up a little bit earlier. It's very easy. 
very easy. I'm not coming out of this room for the next four hours. I'm not coming out of this room for the next hour. I'm not coming out of this room for the next half hour. I'm not coming out. And when you have that kind of mentality, Satan may attack you because you have an opportunity. He may attack you because you've experienced a revelation. But he will never be able to attack you because you're in a dry season. And he will fear when you have opportunities and revelations because you have a walk with God that causes all of hell to be afraid of you when you pray. And they can attack all they want to, but it'll be like a bird crashing into a, 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 a glass window. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, put your hands together if you receive that. Let me share a testimony. I'm about to play a video. Let me share a testimony of something that happened right here in this sanctuary. Because every time we share a testimony, the power that the person experienced gets imparted into you. Because you see that testimony and you think to yourself, if it can happen to her, if it can happen to him, it can happen to me. If the Lord has ever healed you and you don't want to tell anybody, Satan rejoices. Because that means the power of God touched you and healed you, but it stops with you. I've met people before that said, I don't want to give my testimony because it feels like I'm bragging. I don't want to give my testimony because I'm embarrassed. I don't want to give my testimony because whatever. These are all enemy tricks to keep you from not sharing your testimony. If you've been through a divorce that almost killed you and you're happy now, please tell someone that you survived and you're doing well. You can't say, I don't want to tell anyone. It's very embarrassing. Because the power that got you through that season will stop with you if you don't share what God has done. If you've ever been bankrupt, if you've ever lost your job, share the testimony. Because the more you talk about him, the more God can do through you. There's power in the testimony. Power in the testimony. Let's watch a, a, a testimony right now. On Sunday, um, after Pastor Frankie got done giving a sermon, he had a word of knowledge. And uh, he said, there's somebody here that has a collapsed side of their nasal on the right side. And uh, I looked over at my husband. He was standing next to me. And he was crying. I think I was looking for confirmation. And I came down to the front and uh, to be prayed for. And uh, Pastor Frankie came over to me. And he asked me what I had come down for. And I said, the side of my nose has been collapsed. And I've been having this for so many years. I can't even remember how long. And he said... Don't, don't pray with me. You just breathe in and out. And uh, you feel a warmth or you feel a brush or you feel anything that you know is uh, 
something's happening, it squeezed my hands. And all of a sudden, it started draining. A gush came down. And I squeezed Pastor Frankie's hands, and I said, and he says, what just happened? And I said, there was a, a, a drainage rush come down. And he says, you are healed. And I knew it. And during this week, I could feel it continually to where I don't feel it no longer. <laughs> that I'm healed. When you know that the Lord is calling you out, don't hesitate. Come out and meet Him for your healing. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. And if if we can, can we just with our eyes closed, but but point our face towards heaven. And to the best of your ability, just try to visualize what you think the face of Jesus will look like when you see him for the first time. Put your hands out like this, like you're going to receive something from him. If you've never been in a church like this before, I hope you don't think we're weird. We just really believe what we say we believe. Holy Spirit, we love you. honor you and we thank you that you are in this room. Would you move in this room right now? It's interesting because ever since the Lord has allowed me to partner with him for healings I've been noticing different things that little small things that I've never noticed before maybe they've been happening my whole life but I just never noticed it but in moments like these or sometimes when I'm praying alone I can just all of a sudden feel my feel like my hands tingling if you feel that as well would you come down here I need to pray for you there's a healing anointing in your hands and I want to bless what God's doing This is what happens when we take a minute and just ask the Holy Spirit to move. This is the kind of stuff that happens. 
continue to wait. He's, he's doing something that is beyond my imagination and understanding. visualizing the face of Jesus to the best of your ability. If all of a sudden you start feeling your hands tingling, I want you to come down out of your seat. Come as close as you can so people don't have to stand in the aisles. See, there's a healing anointing in this in this church. consequently means that there will be the anointing will be in the people here because the church is not a building it's people so consequently that's what happens I don't want anyone to pray with their mouth I just I just want you to just visualize his face. So let the Holy Spirit do something that we can't comprehend. in their throat. I feel like I need to pray for a couple of things. Cancer in your throat. Something happened. This may be the same person or a different person. Something happened to the right side of your head and um, your eardrum was damaged. Your right eardrum. another one if it's you cancer in your throat I have one right here but is there another one anyone who's had a damaged eardrum the right ear all I'm going to do is pray for you I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to bring you on the stage in class. Come nice and close. Is it your throat or your eardrum? Eardrum. Is it your throat or your eardrum? On the right ear, right? I only want to pray with people that's damaged on the right ear. That's who I feel assigned to pray for. If it's your left ear, I want you to pray with a prayer partner. I believe the Lord will heal you. But there's just, there's certain people that I'm assigned to pray for. 
right ear, damaged right eardrum. And is there anyone here as your your ring finger and your pinky on your right hand that your knuckles have been something happened to your knuckles if you're in the room I'd like to is it you on your right hand it's your left hand okay I want someone to pray for you you're going to get healed you're probably going to get healed right now without anyone praying for you just go like this and let me know anyone else your right hand will both of you um, come over here and stand over here come real close just move your hand like this yeah yeah come right stand right here There's a sweet presence of the Lord in this room. If you're in this room right now and you need a healing in your body, but you can clearly see that there's no room down here, I just want you to just start moving. You're right here. What happened? Yeah. Damaged your drum. It burst right eardrum this is what I'd like for you to do I just want you to just raise your hands just start moving your hand like this just want you to raise your hands right where you're at the spirit of the Lord is in this room if we could see in the spirit we would see hundreds of angels we would see the glory of God I just want you to just Imagine his face and him just pouring healing on your body. Maybe it's not healing you need. Maybe it's a different miracle. Just visualize the same thing. And if you're in this room and you're not sure where you would spend eternity if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, whisper to the Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. You're my Lord and Savior. I give you me. those of you that came down because you felt tingling in your hands that's a a sign of healing and your job from this moment forward for the rest of your life is to pray for every single person who says that they're sick in front of you that's your job every single person some will get healed immediately some will get healed later some won't get healed at all But the more people you pray for, the more people will get healed. The less people you pray for, 
the less people will get healed. You pray for nobody, nobody gets healed. Holy Spirit, we love you. Can we just wait just a few more minutes? I feel like he still wants to do something. Picture his face. Some of you, your hands are still tingling. It hasn't even stopped. Some of you, it's going to come back like waves. today, Omar, no singing. Let's just keep doing what you're doing. There's no official dismissal. We live our whole lives to be in his presence. Some of you just need to be in his presence 60 more seconds, and then you'll know your time is up and you're free to go. Others, you just may want to stay here a little while longer. No pressure. Everyone's different. Some will leave in 60 seconds. Some will be here a little bit longer. One's not any more holy than the other. You have your own relationship with the Lord. But I challenge you to stay here until you know it's time to go.